Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics podcast for the Savage Critics website. It's the conclusion of episode 32, and Graham McMillan and I continue talking comics new and old, including Jack Kirby's Captain America Omnibus, Ultimate Spider-Man, upcoming runs of Daredevil and the Punisher, X-Force number 5, James Stucco's Wonton Soup, Sean Cheeky's Winter Camera, and more. Hope you enjoy, and as always, thanks for listening. Speaking of which, though, oh my god, despite all my love of having incredible amounts of comics, both good and bad, on my iPad, um, the Jack Kirby Captain America omnibus was it was waiting for me when I went to the comic book store. <laughs> did it sing? Did, did him like, bring it out of a uh, box and went, oh. Yeah, it was kind of like light. Raiders of the Lost yeah, Ark, yeah, yeah, when the, the arcs lifted up. Oh my god, it kind of took my breath away. It kind of took my breath away. I mean... One of the things that's great is that the the front of it just is a cover reproduction of that first Mad Bomb issue, um, except that they've changed the quarter the price so that instead of a quarter it says seventy four ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, they did the same for the Eternals cover as well, which is absolutely spectacular. It's like still only whatever seventy <laughs> It is it is gorgeous. It is just amazing. And I mean, I, I think I mentioned this on Twitter. It does blow my mind looking at the contents. Like, it never quite sunk in. Like, this is like over 500 pages of content. And Kirby did that in two years. You know, it that blows my mind. Just probably closer to two and a half years, considering the, the head start that he gets on things with the, the bicentennial battles, battles and stuff like that. You know, but dude, 500 pages of comic books in two years, and it's all so good, so mind achingly good. Oh yeah, um, I mean, he he was incredible. And if you think of the the Fourth World's omnibuses, like the mm-hmm. first three volumes of those, the first three like incredibly lengthy hardcovers came out in what two years? Yeah, which is stunning, and that's it's like 600, stunning. if not more, pages of content. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's it probably is more. So there was just something about having it all in one place. I think, you know, they did I appreciated the fact they threw in Captain America Bicentennial Battles. It's kind of a tough like it doesn't you know, because it was printed in a different format, it's a little bit it's slightly squatter than the other issues, yeah. you know, in order to retain the original dimensions. But mm, just holy cow. So sweet. Um I, I am jealous. Yeah, it's it's kind of well, I'm kind of surprised you just didn't didn't decide to like splurge on one yourself. I really really have problems splurging on books like that. I I genuinely do. If I was going to splurge on anything like that, it would have got the Simonson Thor. Oh right, is that out yet? That's not no, out. No, I yet. don't think so. But um, yeah. but I just I I can't justify it to myself. Yeah, maybe I'm... maybe one day when I'm making the big dollars, sure. But as right. it is now, I really can't. Especially because I've read it. Mm-hmm. Like if I the, the Eternals, for example, I'd never read, and it hadn't been reprinted up until that point. Right. Um. So it was much easier go to for me. Right. No, I know. I mean, that's the thing that's kind of shameful about this is it's this this whole thing. I have this is the third time around for for the material for me. Like all every piece of material in this, with the exception of maybe like Captain America Annual 4, the one where he fights Magneto, which I didn't have the original of. Like, 
I had all of these in the original when they originally came out, except for Bicentennial Battles. I had all the individual issues. Then I ended up getting the recolored trade reprints. Um, I managed to get my hands on an, on an original Bicentennial Battles a couple years back, and then I think I ended up getting the trade paperback. So really, this is this is this is my cocaine. You know what I mean? This is seriously my. This is God's way of telling me that I'm being fiscally imprudent. Because honestly, there's no way that I should be having this for the third. <laughs> and all the more so because, of course, as you know, I'm obsessed with getting that Captain America DVD, you know, so that I can have the entire run of Captain America on the iPad. Like, I'm completely... I, I'm glad that you will enjoy that book for the fourth time when you finally try to end that DVD. Well, that's it. Exactly. Some of that stuff. And, you know, I have to say it's kind of interesting. It's perhaps not surprising, but because I spend a lot of time on eBay trying to look for those collections now, when you search on them, man, if you, if you, Graham, or listeners are fans of original comics and want to catch up on your Captain America collections or Iron Man or Hulks or X-Men, like... There are huge lots on there for stupid cheap because a lot of people, uh, you know, probably like I'll be doing in six months, get the DVD collections and are like, I've got to underwrite this because I spent way too much money on this goddamn out of print thing. And the next thing you know, you're dumping your issues on, out on eBay. Or also like I'm supposed to be doing, the idea is is that having all these comics on DVD means that I can actually free up some of the goddamn space that, you know, is at a premium for me and get rid of some of these comic books. So. Well, you could also download them when the movies come out. Yeah, I, you know, right, exactly. Like, that's really going to work, you know? Like, do you think that's going to work? I can't no. imagine. Like, but, yeah, it's, exactly. but at the same time, you know, it's not stopping Marvel relaunching Captain America again. <sighs> Which will be, I want to say, the fifth Captain America number one. Oh yeah, actually, this is great. My, um, <laughs> my, uh, so I pretty much put myself right at the edge of financial ruin between this comic book visit, and I lost, I lost a bid on the comic, the Captain America DVD, and that somehow turned me into an insane man. So I'm now the owner of a Hulk and Iron Man collection DVDs, which. I paid way too much for, but I was still happy when they showed up. You know how the DVD collections have the inside flap where they're like notable issues, you know, and they, they have the little cover issue for Iron Man. The notable issues include Iron Man number one, three different times. It's really sad. (laughs) Maybe four different times. There's the original Iron Man. Number one, there's the heroes reborn Iron Man. There's the heroes return Iron Man. And then there's the Iron Man extremist Iron Man. And I'm like, that's so sad. That is so sad. No, but think about it. Captain America is worse because Captain Captain America America definitely had a relaunch with Wade. Yeah. And then I had the Heroes Reborn. No, the Heroes Reborn was first. Then the Heroes Re- yes. Then the relaunch with Wade. Yes. Then uh, there was the relaunch with John Nader. John Niebuhr. Ray Niebuhr or Ray. Yeah. Niebuhr. And yeah. then they had the relaunch with Brubaker. That is correct. I was going to say and no. So did they relaunch for that? Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. Yeah, exactly. And now they're relaunching again. Yeah. Which I think is kind of a mistake. And the best part is, someone on Twitter was like, "Oh my God, something is Marvel," and I was like, "Wow, look forward to the Ultimate Spider-Man relaunch." And he thought I was joking. 
You know, Ultimate I thought Ultimate you were joking too. I'll, I will lay money that Ultimate Spider-Man is going to get relaunched this summer. Uh, yeah. Did, did in fact didn't Marvel one of Marvel's tweets or something was like inside the USM like uh, I don't know. It was like the ultimate writers conference or something I was, like that. I was listening to another of Brian Michael Bendis's Word Balloon interviews. And he's uh-huh. like, wait till you see what we're going to be rolling out for when the cartoon starts, which is like September, August. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also made some reference to, he's counted up how many Spider-Man stories he's written, but he won't say what the future of the book is. And it's like, you're leaving the book and someone else is taking over. And they're relaunching. That's, thanks very much. <laughs> right. Exactly. I sure hope that's the case. I think Bendis should probably leave the book, you know? I mean, it, the, the thing that made it very clear to me that, like, well, first of all, that they're going to relaunch, but secondly, that things had changed was rereading recent issues and seeing that David LaFuente had actually written goodbye on his last page. I was like, oh, so, really? so he's off the book. Right. Exactly. Uh, which is a real shame. Like, I, the idea of going from, don't get me wrong, I loved the Chris Samney issue. I thought the Chris mm-hmm. Samney issue was beautiful. And. Mm-hmm. As much as I love the colors on Thor Mighty Avenger, Justin Ponser's col- colors in Ultimate Spider-Man, I thought were stunning. I thought he, uh, Sammy's art looked so much better with that boldness of color. But um, essentially replacing LaFuente and, and uh, Sarah Bocelli with Mark Bagley again mm-hmm. feels such a backwards move. Right. Right. Uh, Although maybe if it's Bagley and it's a different writer, it'll feel different. Well, no, I think what it is is I think Bagley's going to finish the book. I think Bagley and Bendis are going to finish this. Oh, I see. Right, right, right. And bring it full circle. Yeah. And then they'll be like, it's the end. And then, you know, who is writing Ultimate Spider-Man number one again? Right. You know? And it'll be like, it'll be like the Man of Action team. Right. You know, because they're doing the cartoon. No, because they're doing the cartoon. So it'll be them. No, no, no. Exactly. Um, Exactly. But it's just like, eh. (laughs) Really? (laughs) (laughs) It's like it's like the news about the new Daredevil and Punisher teams today. I right. really like Rucka. I I am so conflicted about Rucka and Punisher. Mm-hmm. I really like Mark Wade. I don't think I want to read Mark Wade and Daredevil. Mm-hmm. You know, I, mm-hmm. I just I don't know. There's something about it that depresses me in a way that I feel that I should be depressed about other things equal amounts. <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, Lord knows we've done a pretty good job talking for this long without talking about the, you know, ridiculously horrific things happening out in the real world. But, uh, but no, I, you know, I understand. I thought Rucka would have been great on Wolverine way back when, and he did an awesome job proving me wrong um, on that. <laughs> I was going to say, didn't he do Wolverine? And it didn't I realize it was just a setup? <laughs> <laughs> bum, bum, bum. No, he did Wolverine, and I was very, very disappointed. Um, and, and that, we'll see. I imagine, like, you know, in theory, Rucka could do an awesome job on, on Punisher. But I also kind of have a little bit of the feeling of, oh, by the way, is that, I assume that's like the Marvel Universe Punisher as opposed yes, to yes, Punisher yes, Max, yes. right? Yeah. See, that's half the problem right there, you know, kind of, is I'm sort of like, Rucka, I think, you know, I mean, obviously Aaron's like doing his thing and, and isn't done yet, but I think Rucka would do well in like a max environment a little bit. I'm not necessarily sure if. Well, my my thing ultimately is I just don't like the Punisher as a character. 
Right. I just I just don't. I have no interest in reading about that character. Right. And so. Rocket could be doing the greatest work of his career, but I have so little interest in that character. Right. That so I feel I feel like I'd be lost on it. Are, are you just more depressed that they're still punishing publishing Punisher? Still punishing publisher? I I am, uh, but I'm that's you know that's one of those battles I'll never win. Right. You know. Someone is always going to do a Punisher book, and it's always going to be, you know, it's always going to be like Daredevil. It's always going to be weirdly critically acclaimed, even though it's the same old, same old. Right? Do you know what I mean? Like, I Brubaker did a great Daredevil book, but it was a Daredevil book that everyone had read. Right. Yeah. By that point, I think people were kind of done with it, which is why, honestly, I think the best thing they could do is keep Daredevil out of the limelight for another year, two years, you know what I mean? Like, but you I don't, really do... You don't do that anymore. I'm like, I, I mm-hmm. Thor, Thor was the end of that. And the thing that's crazy is Thor came back, like, so and people had interest. Yeah, it came yeah. back strong. You know what I mean? Like, I'm really shocked that nobody really learned their lesson from that of like, yeah, if you take Thor out of the limelight and then no, no, bring because, him back. Because this is the lesson they learned. Bring back a big name character with the right creative team, and it'll be a success. Right. They didn't learn the people wanted to read about him because they hadn't been able to read a Thor comic for four years. Mm-hmm. That's why everything gets relaunched immediately these days. No, I know. Daredevil has pretty much not been out of print. <laughs> Neither has Punisher. There's been maybe like two months between. Yeah, that's it. Because there's been right. the mini series that's like, oh, maybe it's dead, maybe it's an epilogue, and there's like, no, end of it is read issue one two months from now. You know, it, it's they can't leave uh, they can't leave it alone. It, it's it's oh, the news that Marvel's publishing fifteen love today. It's like an incredible underscoring of the fact that Marvel is just like, well, yeah, what do we have? Publish it, right? <laughs> like you can't tell me cannot tell me that there is a secret underground demand for Andy Watson's tennis comic from eight years ago that was cancelled because Bill James loved it too much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know? And all of a sudden they're like, never before seen, and it's like, with good reason, everyone. Why did you read it? Did you know I like Andy Watson? I love Andy really Watson. Have you seen the Have you seen the art? No. I have, it, oh, is he not doing the art on it? it? Oh, he's not doing the art. No, it's it's um, it's like someone has seen manga but thought the problem with manga was it wasn't in color, and the women weren't muscular enough. Oh my god! Is this was this like a tsunami title? Yes. That I never yes, saw the light yeah, of day. Yeah. Oh, oh my god, just the idea that they're actually bringing out a tsunami title now, of course, is really weird, too. I want to say it wasn't tsunami, it might have been Epic. Uh, oh, maybe. God, did I thought Epic ended up having nothing but the Jameis comic under its belt. No, Epic had Trouble, which launched Epic, which is also getting reprinted, so clearly, like, Marvel Art, totally just, mm. like, shoveling everything out. Um, and... It also had Crimson Dynamo, had at least a couple of issues come out. I want to say there was an Ancient One comic that came out as well. Really? Yeah. Oh, and then and then Gun Theory and Phantom Jack or whatever were those? Yeah, yeah, there you go. Right, right, right. As you would say, oh, dear. 
But no, well, Ma- you know, Ma- Marvel will just Marvel just wants to publish. Marvel just wants um, product now. Right. And the, the crazy thing is, there's there's a there's a good amount of good stuff out there. But more and more, I feel like that is an accident, or or editors and editors working under the radar to put good stuff out than intent. Actually, you know, here's something that I think kind of interesting. Uh, like you said, working under the radar. One of the things that really struck me in reading everyone's um, deposition recaps on, on Bleeding Cool last week was especially John Romita's, um, which really struck me, um, that I wanted to talk to you about. Because at the time, I think you had poured through most of them, and I think I'd only read, like, Larry Lieber's or something at that point. But I read Romita's, and the two things that he said that I thought were really interesting were, A, he talked about how around the time that, that, that Stan and Jack started up, you know, Marvel Comics you know, it it kicked it into high gear with their superhero line. He said that the comics industry had all but self-destructed under the weight of a publishing glut. Do you remember that? It really struck me where he said that the industry had basically all but destroyed itself by having more titles almost more titles than it were readers. Like, they had so many titles that nothing was selling. Um, and I thought that that was kind of an amazing little bit of history, you know? Yes. No, I, I just... history. Oh, history is repeating. But it, it's... I don't know. You kind of wish that someone with some level of control, mm-hmm. especially in Marvel, the DC is really becoming a little bit guilty of this as well. Um would realize that mm-hmm. would be like, hey, you know, it's going to completely kill demand for Wolverine. Three different Wolverine ongoings, right? Like as right. soon as you could say the word the Wolverine family, mm-hmm. something's yeah. gone wrong. Something's gone horribly wrong. To say nothing of the fact that that Wolverine ends up popping up on, uh, you know, however many teams it is. So yeah, I mean, it's completely ridiculous. So one thing that Ramita says is, is that the industry, by the time that Stan and Jack started things up again, had more or less choked itself, had dis- nearly all but destroyed itself in a glut. The other thing that he said that I think is fascinating is he talks about how, as far as he was concerned, the Marvel method ended up saving comics. Did you did you see that in yes, there yes. as well? And I thought that that was also kind of a fascinating observation, where his whole idea was having the artists tell the story and then having the writer come back and do the dialogue afterward. As far as I can tell, he felt that that brought a dynamicism back to comics that comics were lacking. I don't know if he goes right out and says that, but he, he gets very close into saying that, that, that it had, you know, the, the Marvel method was what ended up pretty much saving everything in his opinion. And I'm kind of fascinated. Like, a, we are the marketplace is completely glutted, and B, I think just about everything's done full script across the board, isn't it? Uh, for, hardly... the, for the most part. Pardon me, I think Dan Slott is the only one who still writes Marvel. Oh, does he do Marvel Method? Yes. Oh, that's kind of disappointing in a way. After me, sort of not liking his work because it's kind of 
because I did feel like, I mean, clearly looking at Marcos Martins things, like that one page, like that really did strike me as something that it's hard to believe that an artist themselves didn't come up with, you know, as opposed to a writer going, yeah, I really kind of want you to have this like kind of crazy vertiginous spiral that retells the origin of Spider-Man. And at the middle of it is like Uncle Ben, but he almost looks like a Christian martyr, you know, can you do that? You know, that sort of thing. I'm sure people would have been like, what the fuck are you talking about? So (laughs) part of me does wonder, like, I remember I didn't, I was not crazy about the image books where it was basically artists drawing whatever the fuck they wanted and then getting their buddies to come up with a script for it. But sometimes I do wonder if like part of the reason why the books are so eh is they've never been more sort of crammed into a house style. Even even, even when there's so much stuff that is not entirely a house style, like you said, it's all, it feels almost more like an accident. Uh, I don't know. It's just something I I don't I don't know where I'm going with with it per se. I can't imagine because I think uh, the amount of editorial control would make it very difficult. I think it'd be very difficult for people to suddenly turn around and be like, "Hey, guess what? You're going to be writing," you know. And it, part of the idea behind Marvel style was it allowed one writer to write, you know, nine books instead of like three books, you mm-hmm. know. And I don't. I don't think that I um, a Marvel style approach to me would really appeal if it meant that, you know, all the artists were being able to plot the story however they wanted, but it was still getting dialogued by Brian Bendis. You know, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't mean what, to diss on Bendis. That will happen. Well, I mean, Bendis does. He writes a lot of titles, and I am kind of thoroughly uninterested in them. I will say, let me talk about a book that I did like, which is kind of stupid and cheesy. There's actually a few books that I liked. X-Men, X-Force number five. I liked X-Force number five. Lots I have of people tell you. telling me they didn't open the X-Force. I, I, I have... I am going to continue to stump for it. Yeah. I, I have... You know my main problem with it? Again, I just don't really like any of the, the characters in it. Yeah, you, it, I can see where it's not going to be your book because it's – I don't think that you're a, a special fan of quote-unquote grim and gritty, you know, um, although that's oversimplifying it. But yeah, I mean, X-Force is all the sort of, er, we are serious and we might kill people type characters, which is the uh, sort of the anti-gram kind of thing. But I really liked it. The art was really pretty. Um, you know, it – it focuses on Phantom X, who is a character that I didn't really care. I I sort of admired the cut of Morrison's jib in creating the character, but didn't really ever like the character. But I think Rick Remender's doing like pretty great job with it. So um, the thing that I find fascinating with X Force issue five is that you it probably shows you exactly how much people are willing to follow in Morrison's path and where they're willing to deviate because it is, it's a Phantom X character, you know, and he's, he's back in the world, which is a Morrison creation. And there is a new weapon out there, as you know, like, uh, Phantom X is like weapon 12, just as, uh, Wolverine's supposed to be weapon X or weapon 10. Yeah. And of course he's now fighting, um, Weapon Infinity, which is this sort of sentient algorithm that has escaped across space-time. And obviously, just saying something like that, I'm like, you know, sort of tips you that Remender has read or is trying to capture sort of that Grant Morrison approach to things. Yeah. Um, But exactly where it deviates from is like on the last five pages of the comic, the a whole bunch of 
Deathlocked versions of Marvel superheroes show up and start, you know, trying to kill him and kill his loved ones and stuff like that. And so you've got, you know, Spider-Man that's as a, you know, a Deathlocked version and a Deathlocked version of the Thing and Captain America who are running around trying to kill him and are part cyborg and part Marvel superhero. And that's one of those areas where it's like, I kind of dug that, but I could also tell that's the part where Grant Morrison, like Grant Morrison would never do that. You know what I mean? Like, he would never. <laughs> see, the funny part is, I could totally see Grant Morrison doing that. Really? Yeah, that's it's interesting. A, but here's the thing: he he wouldn't because it's Marvel. Mm-hmm. If Deathlock was a DC character, yeah, I mm-hmm. could I could see him doing it. You know, maybe, maybe. I mean, certainly, yeah. If you look at something where he's fond of taking, you know, old characters like the Ultramarines and bringing them back and 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 doing a revamp, certainly. But but like, um. I also get the uh, get the feeling that Morrison, at least certainly with his X-Men stuff, he was very much trying to sort of move in new directions. And if he brought back kind of older tropes like Magneto or Phoenix or something like that, it was pretty much to specifically comment on how exhausted they were. I sure, guess. but I, I could see him doing that with the, the Deathlord superheroes. Well, yes. That's true, and he may well end up being that in that direction. So we'll see in the next issue. I kind of get the feeling, though, that people were sort of more like, "Hey, Rick Remender's like everyone loves Deathlock." This oh, yeah, exactly. Awesome. You know what? Everyone yeah. really love Death Deathlock Marvel heroes. <laughs> it's a brand new franchise. No, I could totally see that. I, I think the intent might have been different, but I could also see more right. doing it. Yeah, yeah, that that's true. X Force Five, I really liked. You wouldn't. I finally finished <laughs> volume one of Wonton Soup, which uh, was great fun, and I'm starting in on number two. Did you read that or no? Yes, Wonton Soup volume two, if you're anything like me, will disappoint you. Oh, interesting. But you loved, enjoyed volume loved, one? or loved volume one. thought volume okay. two was kind of disappointing. Interesting. Okay. Well, I will see how that goes. Because volume one, I was very on the fence about. Like, I liked what Stoko w- was doing with it, but I also was frustrated about you know, there's something really awesome about an intergalactic space cooking manga, but I also felt like talking with Lauren Davis about it, one of the things she pointed out was she got really frustrated with all the cooking scenes because, of course, you can't actually cook those. They're, yeah, they're not re- – yeah, it's, it's a cheat. Yes. Yeah. Well, imagine if you took One Thunder Volume 1 and then turned it into a ridiculous stoner comedy. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've actually got to the first five pages of that where they end up smoking everything. Yes. Um, pretty much. <laughs> well, that's, 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 that's pretty much the rest of the book, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? See, I thought yeah, it was I a know, fun I, opening I, start. No, I, I seem to remember. I have, it's been a while since I've read it, but I seem to remember like the entire book was just like still in a comedy. And I was like, oh, ah, okay then. <laughs> <laughs> that zinked when I wanted it to zag. Ah, uh, that's a drag. Um, oh, and... good pun. Oh, that was intentional? <laughs> you sounded like that was intentional. That was intentional? Maybe? Maybe? Uh, I think I meant to say unintentional. I read Wunderkammer by Sean Cheeky. Maybe it's pronounced Wunderkammer. I don't know. Uh, the third issue. Sean, and I, I don't know if his name is actually pronounced Cheeky or if that's even really his last name. It's C-H-I-K-I. He did an amazing piece in Lauren Davis's comic book Guide to the Mission, a three-page uh, piece that was – I don't know. Have you, have you gotten a copy yet? Have I have, and I really, really, really enjoyed it. 
Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought I thought Lauren did a great it's, job on that. It's nice to me right now. What what part did he do? Um, he did. I think it was it might have been just been called Seventeenth and Mission, and it is on page forty two apparently. Exactly. Oh yeah, it's amazing. Isn't it gorgeous? Yes. Like yeah. Yeah, I just I was so stunned by it, and it starts off with kind and it's of a, so like crazily European. Yes, exactly, because it it starts off with that kind of weird, almost you know, Linier Claire stuff, uh, you know, somewhat Urge looking thing on one page, then cuts and Yammer kids on like the second page, and then it ends up with like a more modern, like Hernandez brothers riff toward yes. the end of the third page. So. So, like, when I went to look, the book release party uh, for this at Mission Comics, I sat down and memorized this guy's name because I'm so bad with names these days, hoping that this guy was going to be here. And and I was talking to Lauren, and he walks by, and, of course, Lauren had given all the artist's name tags. So I saw his name tag, and I was talking to David Brothers and <laughs> my lovely wife, and all of a sudden I'm, I'm like, I'll be right back. And I basically ran off because I was afraid he was leaving, and I was like, "Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me." And I, I like talked to you. Totally, I totally did that, and thank God he couldn't have been a, a sweeter guy. So, um, and he was so nice; he actually gave me the latest issue of his comic, uh, which is the third issue, Wonderkammer or Wunderkammer or W U N D E R K A M M E R. And unless I'm misreading that K, it's interesting. It's one of those deals oh, where in a bad way. It, it, no, I mean, as in like it's um, like when you see those three pages and you're like, holy shit, that's great. Like at one point we bumped into Mario Hernandez as we were on the way out and talking to him about his contribution, and I mentioned Sean Cheeky's piece. He's like, oh yeah, that piece was great. I totally pulled him aside and he was told him like that piece like really stood out. That was like. You know, it's like when you're in an anthology, which has some like great creators in it and some creators that are still working on it and some people who are just entertaining, like, you know, when your piece stands out, it really, I think, does stand out. And so, you know, Hernandez had apparently grabbed him and I made a point to run out of the way and, and, and get him and like, let me talk to you. This guy is like crazily, absurdly talented. Like I went to his website and he's he and his wife have recorded music together and he's got, you know, prose. She's a novelist. Um, Wonderkammer, it's, it's, and it's one of the things that he said, because he was incredibly self-effacing when I was like, I was really impressed at all the styles that you used on your, on your anthology piece. And he's like, well, it's probably because I just haven't settled into, I haven't settled into my own style yet. And I thought that was really funny. But looking at Wunderkammer, I think he might be largely right. It's got three pieces in it. One's like a crazy postmodern text piece. One piece is like an English drawing room novel with characters with birds for heads. Um, it, it, I think it's literally called Starling House and is like sort of a half spoof on English drawing room novels, except, of course, all the characters have birds for heads. And then the part that was the most successful looks like if Urge from Tintin had tried to draw a, a Mobius piece. Like, it's it's all about the adventures of this intergalactic space pilot who's, like, caught up in these, you know, this sort of larger, complex, world-building, you know, empire-type stuff, but drawn with this line that really is, like, just 
just right on that side of like Erge or Suarte or part of the other Lunier clear people, but just a little bit. It's not quite there. I'm so fascinated. Like, I picked up Wonder Camera 3. I was so excited for it. Like, Sean Cheeky is like this guy. I'm convinced he's is chances are really good that he's going to be a talent that everyone's going to be talking about, but not quite yet, I almost feel. Like, I almost feel like it's, I don't know if it's going to be another year for him, or two years, or five years, or what it's going to take. You know, I just think, I, I think he's, he's got so much potential, it just blows my mind. And but yet, but is it time, not, is that not, like, the most exciting part? Though, the yes. most exciting time, where it's like, it's not fully formed, but you know just there. Um, I guess. I mean, I remember seeing the first issue of Acme Novelty Library, and that was to me, that was like that was even more exciting because I'd never heard of Chris Ware, and that first issue was probably the most kind of stunning debut comic I had ever seen. Like that was astonishing to me. Um, you know, or like when I saw, I think the first issue of Love and Rockets I ever saw was issue four which is um, pretty much right when they hit their stride. So I've had a couple of times where I sort of feel like I'm a little spoiled, where you re- pick up a book and somebody has said like, hey, this is really good, or you just come across it on the shelves and it it kind of blows your freaking mind. Um, and I love that feel, but that's because I'm really lazy and also a bit of a fraidy cat, you know? But I'm also very excited by by this guy's work, and I just wish I could figure out a way to support it without, you know, basically doing that weird, like, this is awesome someday, you know what I mean? Like, you're going to be great, keep at it, you know? But is it it not already awesome? Can something not be awesome, even if it's not fully firmed yet? Uh, I I don't know. I don't know. Because I I think it can. Mm -hmm. I think you can completely love a sport and enjoy someone's work while knowing that they're not there yet. Yeah, I can do it. I mean, I feel like that's what I do with Jason Aaron or like a whole bunch of other guys <laughs> that are currently getting mainstream work. You know what I mean? But but she's really interesting because I feel perhaps because he's not doing traditional superhero stuff, he's doing this stuff that's outside the framework. I don't know where he's going to fit in. But I think when he does, it's going to be it's going to be stellar. But I find myself in this weird position of like, like I said, Wonder Camera. I was so excited to read it and sit down, and parts of it were great, but other parts of it were kind of that like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's process. You know what I mean? Like, like he's he's moving through his process. I and I can't. You can't. I don't. I feel like you know what I mean. I feel like you almost can't speed someone through that. They just have to do it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So, and I just, I don't know if that means that it's something that I should be like praising to the skies and telling everyone to rush out and buy or telling everyone to keep an eye on his work, but not get it yet. Like, I don't know. I kind of feel like a jerk no matter what I do in talking about it. So, but the great thing is, is because Top Cow's not involved, nobody's going to come and kick my ass from one side of the internet to the other about it. So while we've been talking, by the way. Um, yes. On Twitter, Top Cow itself is now blogging about me. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> uh, what did you it know, say? Oh no, just like interesting blog post and admission from Graham over Robot Six about the prejudice against Top Cow. <laughs> it's like it's my prejudice. I don't think there's a mass prejudice that I am. Uh, 
unveiling. Yeah, everyone but, agrees with me, Tom It's me against me and everyone against you. Well, but uh, but I mean, I know you the and I, of course, thing, have the a funny thing is, I think there actually may be many people who share my feelings about Top Guy. Totally, totally. I I mean, I kind of felt like I totally felt like I did. Let's put it that way. Um, I mean, I was eager to defend you, but yeah, you know, Top Cow kind of has. I don't feel that the prejudice is exactly blind. You know what I mean? It could be. Oh, I, I, I think the prejudice. Okay, yeah, okay, it could be outdated. But I think when something is four years outdated, you're getting close to blind. Uh, I mean, like the people in charge are different now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's okay, even uh, if it's uh, been uh, like the ten years or something like that, or you know I, what I mean. I don't know if that's fair. What's that? I don't know if that's fair. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I remember reading issues of Top Cow back in 2003, 2004, and they were pretty terrible. So I, I don't necessarily think that, like you said, it's not entirely fair. I thought, of course, that you wrote about it in exactly the right way, and I think you wrote about it for the right reasons, which is that thing of, like, why do we have that bias? And to me, I think my my only problem with your column was just that it sort of felt like it ended as it was getting started you know what um see here's the thing i kind of knew midway through the column that i was going to pick them up mm-hmm. <laughs> do you know what i mean i even said this on twitter like i i'm not even sure why i started writing the column but somewhere in the middle right. i was like i think i'm writing this to make myself buy them yes like i think i'm writing this to publicly shame myself mm-hmm. because then i have to do something as reparation i didn't right. really expect the reparation to be this <laughs> It, it, like, it really is making me think, you know, this is one of these things. If there's something I have to do that I don't want to do, I should just say I'm not going to do it on the internet. Right. And then enough people be like, what? Because it's like going to Emerald City. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? No, you have to go. What? You have to. What? <laughs> oh, nice. There was a little Allison thing in there. She'll appreciate that. Although we're still probably not giving her enough conversation and or do. Oh, come on. We talked about 40 cakes. We did talk about 40 cakes, uh, which was awesome. So, my friend, um, it's four o'clock. Uh, We've been talking for some time. Yes. And this is probably I have to say, another monster to edit down. Sorry. No, not so much. I mean, because I think we stayed for the most part on topic. We were talking about comics. It's just, yeah, if I do try to break it into multiple parts, it will kill me. But um, is there anything else you wish to wrap up with? I, I also felt like I was so excited to read comics. I'm like, grab, grab, let me tell you what I read. Because normally it's just weeks and weeks of me like, and then Ghost Rider like, fights this guy on like a train. <laughs> you know, it's kind of nice to be able to talk about a whole bunch of other things. Things that aren't. But hey, did you see the, the um, teaser for the new Ghost Rider? For Fear Itself, where he is wearing a helmet. You mentioned that. i behind on the teasers. They're not really putting a helmet on Ghost I Rider, swear right? to God, there's a teaser that says Hell and Wheels, and it's a guy in a motorbike, and he's got a helmet on, and the helmet's on fire, and you can see a skull in the helmet. It's Ghost Rider wearing a helmet. <laughs> is, is that a tie-in spin-off issue? I have or? no idea, but it's Ghost Rider wearing a helmet. It's, come on! It's Ghost Rider wearing a helmet. It's honestly... <laughs> I, I can't I can't explain how wrong that is. It's like no, dude, you, you, it's Ghost Rider. Skull <laughs> <laughs> for a head. Joe yeah. doesn't need a helmet. A guy who has got a flaming skull for a head. <laughs> 
I know. It's kind of disappointing. I'm sort of, I'm sort of bummed. So, well, you know, the, the, gosh, when is that, is the Book of the Skull out this week? Is that Yeah, it's out today, yeah. I'm trying to figure out if I should, like, get Hibsta, because I know I didn't order it. Like, as I'm trying to figure out, am I going to be reading this damn Fear Itself event or not? And part of me is like, I feel like Book of the Skull, because it's Brubaker doing Captain America, like, I can probably pick it up in more or less good conscience and not worry about it. Well, the other thing is, it's also um, all flashback. Right. Or, yeah, or majority or flashback, or isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. So I, I, th- yeah, I think yeah. you, you could theoretically pick it up, and if it doesn't interest you, be fine. Right. Right. Or even if it does, if I do like it, it's still going to be somewhat separate enough from the gist of what's going on with Fear Itself. Um, yeah, I'll be kind of curious to see. I, I assume you will be picking up Fear Itself? I'll definitely uh, be picking up the first issue. Um, right. We'll see what it's like. I, I, I'll probably end up buying the whole thing. Like, about all of Civil War, and I didn't like Civil War. But I bought every issue. I should say I bought every issue being of the main series and Violet Titans. Um, right. So, sure, I'm, I'm sure I'll probably end up buying them. But at the same time, I don't know. I mean, Flashpoint as well just looks kind of exhausting to me. Oh, Flashpoint looks super exhausting. And I have to say, as a guy who was struggling to, to try and figure out how to pick up some freelancer work, it's clear that I did it wrong. You know what I mean? Like, there are so many names that I do not recognize. Like, clearly, the fact that I am not writing something for Flashpoint means that I did did it utterly wrong. Because seriously, it's like... But aren't, aren't, I, aren't a lot of those um, DC editors, was that not a lot of the complaint when the creators got names? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that would make sense. Why I didn't hear uh, uh, of them before, but they also have their hooks. But, eh, you know, I guess... I guess comic book editors got a right too. It might be a good process, right? Yeah. So, oh no, I, I yeah, but I meant said it's good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, Graham's sending me a secret message. Oh, no, I said no, it's good. I totally said it's good. Sorry, um, Kate and I are, are discussing um, artists earlier on. Now he's like, oh yeah, there's that guy who replaced James Chino in Fables. I'll send you the link and then completely forgot about it. And then, because uh, Fables 100 is actually right next to me, I was like, I should send her that guy. And then, t- right. and then send it to you. <laughs> it's a nice and website. I'm like, wow. really good look. I, I, I will if I can actually figure out how to, like, I'm like, why isn't it popping up in my stupid message thing? It shows that I have a message, but it won't show it. It's like, sometimes I hate Skype. Oh, wow. Well, I'm not even going to try and say that guy's name, but it is fascinating feralkid.com huh? yes feral-kid.com so people can actually go and visit it and I feel like we are not completely just bastardizing the end of the podcast <laughs> <laughs> well but we kind of are uh, is there anything else you, you wish to talk about no I, I, I think we're done with the recording part of the podcast I think we're, we should firmly get on to the gossipy part that people desperately want to know about and never will I never will everyone <laughs> sorry <laughs>